the killing of Emmett Till in 1955 drove nationwide attention to the racial brutality and monstrosity prevailing in Mississippi. Emmett Lewis Till, born July 25, 1941, to two working-class parents, Lewis and Mamie Till, was born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. Emmett, just turning 14, pleaded with his mother to spend time with his great-uncle Moses Wright and his cousins in Money, Mississippi. He arrived on August 21, 1955, and spent time working in the cotton fields assisting with the harvest. On August 24th, after a much-desired break, Till and his cousins went to a local grocery store, Bryant's Grocery and Meat Market, owned by Roy and Carolyn Bryant. The store was located in the small town of Money, the center of the cotton-growing Mississippi Delta. Roy and Carolyn Bryant had two sons and lived in two small rooms at the back of the store. Because Roy needed extra money, he worked as a truck driver with his half-brother, J.W. Milam. J.W. Milam was a tall man, standing six feet two inches and weighed around 235 pounds. He served in World War II and received many medals, but it seemed he was most proud of how he treated the Negroes. On the evening of August 24th, Till and his cousins went into the store for snacks, going one to two at a time. Emmett went in and bought two cents worth of bubble gum. Though no one knows what exactly happens next, Carolyn Bryant stormed out of the store to get a pistol out of her sister-in-law's car. Some witnesses stated Till, often called Bubbo, was challenged to talk to Mrs. Bryant. Others said he whistled at her. Another account said he was flirting with her as he left the store. Whatever happened, Emmett urged his cousins not to tell his uncle, Moses Wright. Juanita Milam, J.W.'s wife and Carolyn Bryant's sister-in-law, asked her what happened. They both agreed it would be best to keep it a secret. But word got around, and Roy questioned Carolyn about it. For Emmett, trouble was sure to come. On August 28, 1955, trouble came knocking at Moses Wright's door. Here's a clip from PBS Eyes on the Prize of Moses Wright in his own words. This is Moses Wright. I am the uncle of Emmett Lewis Till. Sunday morning about 2.30, someone called at the door. And I said, who is it? And he said, this is Mr. Bright. I want to talk with you and the boy. And when I opened the door, there was a man standing with a pistol in one hand and a flashlight in the other hand. And he asked me, did I have two boys there from Chicago? I told him I have. And he said, I want it. I want the boy that done all that talk. And they marched him to the car and they asked someone there, was this is the right boy? And the answer was, yeah. And they drove toward money. In the South, racial divisions were gravely established, and Roy and J.W. felt Emmett cross the line and he needed to be taught a lesson. The brothers with other accomplices kidnapped and beat Emmett through the night. 
Though Bryant and Milam told various versions of what happened, it is believed Till was beat, shot, and killed at Leslie Milam's barn. They rolled his body in a tarp. They stopped at a ginning company to steal a fan. They drove north towards Swan Lake, crossed the Tallahatchie Bridge, and stopped on a dirt road. They took the 75-pound cotton gin fan and tied it around Emmett's neck with barbed wire and threw him into the river. The next day, Moses Wright reported the kidnapping to Sheriff George Smith, who then questioned Roy about taking Emmett. Roy said they took him to show and ask his wife Carolyn was he the right boy. When she said no, they let him go. But as we know, this was far from the truth. On Wednesday, August 31st, 1955, one week after the incident at the store, Emmett's Bubbles' body was found by a white boy fishing in the river. His feet were sticking out of the water. As they pulled him out of the water, they noticed his face was unrecognizable. Wright could only identify Till by the initialed ring he had from his father. Sheriff Clarence Schreider, who was the first officer of Tallahatchie County, was the first officer to be told that Emmett had been found. He wanted the body to be buried quickly. He ordered Moses Wright to get Emmett's body in the ground by nightfall. When Mamie Till Mobley, Emmett's mother, heard they had found him and were trying to cover it up, she demanded he be sent back home to Chicago. Here's a clip from John Wilson's interview with Mamie Till Mobley in her own words. They told Moses Wright, the sheriff told him, get that body in the ground before sundown. And uh, when Curtis spoke to his grandfather and asked him, are you going to bury Bo without calling Mamie? And Moses had the grave digger stop. They were two thirds finished with digging the grave. And Curtis got me. Well, you know, when he got me and told me what was going on, I didn't fall apart, but I wanted to. But I knew that I didn't have time to cry. I didn't have time to, I had to do something, but I didn't know what to do. And I quieted everybody down and I said, you're going to have to help me. Uh, there's something we've got to do and I don't know what it is. And my aunt said, call A.A. Rayner. That was our local undertaker. And uh, we called him and thank God with his help, we were able to get that body out of Mississippi. His help and the, uh, I say the divine will of God because there's no way that body should have been sent to me. They put the Mississippi seal, they had three padlocks on the boxes and the casket. Uh, they had to sign affidavits that it would not be open. And uh, every step was taken to make sure that this body was not opened up to the public. 
And of course, when it got here and the undertaker tells me that we're going to bury the body as is, I said, oh, no, mm -mm. I don't know what's in there. It could be bricks, it could be dirt, could be somebody else. I've got to know that is Emmett. And uh, he pointed out to me that he had had to sign and he was subject to being sued or whatever. And uh, I thought about it. I said, well, do you have a hammer? And he wanted to know, what are you going to do with the hammer? I said, if you can't open it, I haven't signed anything. I can open it. And I'm going to go in and see what I am burying. And that's when he told me that if I was that determined, he would open it up. And he did. And I'm telling you, I can still feel what happened to me when I first looked into the casket. It seems like every bone turned to steel. And instead of falling out, I straightened up. And <clears throat> uh, they thought I was going to faint. I said, oh, no, I've got a job to do. And I've got to find out what this is and who it is. And I'm not going to bury this body until I'm sure it belongs to me. Because if it didn't, I would have sent that, I think I would have sent it back to Mississippi. When I saw what I saw, uh, Mr. Rayner wanted to know, did I want him to retouch it? I said, no, you can't fix that. Let the people see what I've seen. And I want open casket viewing from now until the time we bury, uh, we take uh, take Emmett for burial. So we wake that body from Friday evening until Tuesday around noon. And uh, they said that at least 600,000 people passed by his funeral, passed by his casket. And they said an average of one, every fifth person had to be assisted. And Mr. Rayner did indeed, when I saw Emmett, the way you saw him in Jet Magazine, I told Mr. Rayner he had done a beautiful job because Emmett was viewable then. And what I saw originally was totally unviewable. I don't know what people would have done had they actually seen what I saw. Miss Mamie said the smell from Emmett's body was so strong until it covered a two to three block area. She saw his tongue had been choked out and it was lying below his chin. She saw one eye was lying out and it was lying midway on his cheek. She looked at the other eye and it was gone. She looked at the bridge of his nose and it looked like someone took a meat chopper and chopped it. She looked at his teeth and there was only two. She said she thought, where is the rest of them? She looked at his ear and she didn't see the ear. And that's when she discovered a hole and she could see daylight on the other side. She then discovered they had taken an ax and went straight down across his head and his face and the back of his head 
was separate. After seeing Till's body, Miss Mamie made it clear she was having an open casket funeral. She wanted the world to see what racism had done to her son. Jet, an African-American magazine, published a story and photos, and soon the entire world would see what heartfelt hatred looked like in person. Less than two weeks after Emmett was buried, the brothers, Bryant and Milam's trial began in Sumner, Mississippi on September 19, 1955. Eyewitness testimonies came from two sharecroppers, one being Willie Reed and the other Amanda Bradley, and the third, Moses Wright. Other testimonies came from Carolyn Bryant and Mamie Till Mobley. The trial lasted five days. In the state's closing statements, the attorney said the defendants Bryant and Milam were dripping with the blood of Emmett Till. The defense attorney said, every last Anglo-Saxon one of you has the courage to set these men free. The jury was sent for deliberations. They were told to wait to make it look good. They savored the cokes before returning 67 minutes to announce a verdict of not guilty. In the book, The Blood of Emmett Till, written in 2017 by Tim Tyson, Carolyn recanted her testimony. She admitted Emmett had never touched, threatened, or harassed her. She stated, nothing that boy did could ever justify what happened to him.